Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're so glad that you came to be part of our online service here at Impact Life Church. Where our vision here is to impact generations for Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that is that we are a distribution center of the word in every form. And so we're glad that you tuned in. And, you know, one of the things that we continually say here, and since you're part of our family, uh, that the anointing, the same anointing that is on this place also resides and is on you as well. And so we always say that we are anointed to preach and teach the word of God so that people get it. And aren't you thankful that the word of God is alive? It's active. It's actually ready to work in your and my life this very day, at this exact moment, the Bible actually tells us that God is watching over his word to perform it in our lives. And aren't you so glad that we serve a God who loves us, serve a God who is for us, and he is excited about your and my future. He's excited about you and I. And I'm just so thankful that you came to be part of what God is doing uh, here at this local church. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to start, we're going to continue our series on talking about faith, living like God. Because again, it's so important that we understand the day and the time and the season that we're in. And of course, you don't have to under, you know, live long to understand that this world is in chaos. There is a lot of upheaval. There's a lot of issues and problems that are going rampant across this world. But for you and I, the believer, Jesus already said that be of good cheer because he has already overcome the world. Even though trials and tribulations come, we can still rejoice and celebrate knowing that God is for us. And that God has already paid the price for our freedom and has already made a way for you and I not only of escape, but that we can rise and triumph in every circumstance in life that may come our way. And so listen, I want to tell you today that you are victorious. You are a victorious person. That's who God made you to be. And we're going to jump into the word of God and find out some of these things. And as we talk about faith again today, so let's pray and then we'll dive into it. Father, we love you. So thankful, Lord, for who you are in our lives. Jesus, we just love you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our being. And we thank you so much that you gave us your Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us. And this very moment, this exact moment right now, we have the teacher. We have the, the, the mighty one strong on the inside of us. And he is opening up our eyes to see, opening up our ears to hear. And we depend on you, Holy Spirit, to reveal truth to us, to reveal the Father to us in a greater way. We give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. So if you got your Bibles, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. And let's flip over there for a moment. And I really want you to turn and look at some of these verses with me. Now, whatever translation you'd be reading, I'm going to go a lot to the Passion Bible a little bit today. It just really brings out a couple words that I really want to highlight today to you. And in 1 John chapter 5, a verse that we looked at last week, if you were with us. If not, that's okay. Just tune in right now. And if you're wanting to go back to previous messages we have, we got a podcast that you can go look at and hear all the messages that we've done over, over a long span of time. And just eat the word. Get into it. Right? First John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God Himself. And everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Verse 4, I'm going to just skip down a little bit. He says, You see, every child of God overcomes the world, for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Verse 5. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now these verses right here are starting to become some of my favorite verses just to read over, meditate over, just chew on a little bit. But I want you to see here again that God has made you 
a world overcomer. He's made you that way. It's not something that you try to attain. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to be an overcomer. No, by just accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has made you to be an overcomer, a world overcomer. No matter what testings and trials may come your way, in the eyes of God, God sees you as an overcomer of that circumstance, an overcomer of that trial. Now, even though God made you this way and he views you that way, here it is, you see this in verse 4 again. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. There is a tool that overcomers use to go on top of all the circumstances and trials of life. There is something that they use to win, to ensure the victory that God gave them. Now you are an overcomer, but you may not be overcoming. So what is the tool? What did God give us to overcome this world? It's called faith. And I want to just show you this. It's particular. It's not just faith out there. So I got faith. I got faith in this. I have faith in that. I've got faith in this. No, no, no. It's faith in someone. And verse 4 of First uh, John chapter 5, also in the Amplified Bible, I want to read that verse to you. It says, everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that conquered and overcame the world. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So what is the victory that overcomes the world? It's not just a theological position that I have. It's not what I just, just believe to be true. It is faith in Jesus. So how are you and I going to overcome all the trials, the problems that may be coming our way? How are we going to defeat this evil world? It's faith in Jesus. Come on, say that with me. Faith in Jesus. Jesus. Now I know that may I've heard that many times before, but I want you to think about this. You are an overcomer because you have faith in Jesus. You ensure the victory that God provided for you because you have faith in Jesus. If the word does not say it's faith in myself. The word does not say faith in my efforts or what I can do. It doesn't say faith in a particular program that I may be involved in. It's faith in him. It's not faith in my education. It's not faith in other people. It's not faith in government. It's not faith in, you know, I know people in high places that got piles of money that can bail me out of problems or situations. That is not what helps you overcome this world. What ensures the victory that God purchased and provided for you? It's faith in Him. I just want to drive that home to you this morning. Faith in Jesus. One more time, say it with me. Faith in Jesus is what ensures my victory over this world. Now, before we start talking about faith, again, I, I remember emphasizing this a bit last week, and I had the Lord lead me just to talk about this again with you today, that I, before we emphasize an understanding, you know, how faith operates, how do I get more of it, it's, it's good, it's, it's, it's important to know those things, but we have got to understand that it's faith in someone. My faith is in someone, and his name is Jesus. So it's, sometimes it's so easy to understand the, the steps of faith, and of course there's steps, and like I said, all those things are perfect, and they're wonderful to know and to understand, but your and my faith is actually connected to a relationship that I have with Jesus. I can't just live my life, a Christian life, and understand formulas of faith apart from a relationship with Him. You cannot, you will never go beyond in your faith life, in your faith walk, above where your relationship with the Lord is at. So relationship is vital. Relationship is key in order for you and I to develop in our relationship. You know, having faith in someone means that you've developed a relationship with them 
to the point where you know them so well that you just completely trust them. That's a great place to be. You know, I'll give you just an example of this. Uh, whenever, you know, I have a, my, one of my kids on my shoulders and we're running around or we're playing, I've never heard one time my kid, while I'm, you know, jumping around, running around, and I got one of my kids on my back, and they say, I believe in my heart, and I say with my mouth that my dad will not drop me. <laughs> and I'm so glad that they've never said that. I've never heard them say, when they wake up in the morning, all of a sudden stand in front of my bed and go, Lord, I'm just so, today I'm going to believe in my heart that my dad is going to give me breakfast. Why do they never question that? Because they know my character. They know who I am. And so the result is they just ask that stuff. They, hey, Papa, I want breakfast. All right, let's go get some breakfast. They know me. They know my heart. They know the, the relationship that they're in. And so they just rest in knowing who I am as a dad towards them. Well, in the same way, Christians will find it easy to have faith in God to provide in any area of life um, by simply getting to know him better. That's it. It's by knowing who our father is. And so we're going to take some time today to talk about who God is, because I want to just lay this out that really the, the foundation for my faith rests on who God is, on the character and the nature of my father. That's where it rests. That's where I can build my life on. And so one of the reasons that the Christian life has been so hard for a lot of people is because they haven't developed a personal relationship with God. They don't know Him intimately because, as I said, faith is a result of getting to know God better. Now, again, in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, Jesus gave us these four words that have the potential to change our life in any situation, in any circumstance. These words right here have the ability to take somebody who's been losing in life, who's defeated, who is under attack, who is constantly surrounded by addiction and in, you know problems after problems and always getting beat down. These four words have the power to take somebody out of that, lift them up and make them the overcomer that God called them and made them to be. And Jesus said this in Mark 11, chapter 22. He says, have faith in God. Say it with me again, have faith in God. Didn't say have faith in yourself, have faith, you know, in the group that you're a part of, have faith in so-and-so, have faith in your education or have faith in the money you got. All those things are great. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but don't forget who the source is. Don't forget who your, yeah, yeah, your strength and your source of your foundation comes from. It's in him. Have faith in in God. No matter what's happening in your life at this moment, the answer is have faith in God. No matter what comes your way, what's the answer? Have faith in God. When Jesus says have faith in God, he's telling you and I have faith in the character and in the nature of God. God loves to be trusted. This is something I know this. I remember uh, hearing this from another minister that just really impacted my heart. Uh, he was, he, um, woke up one morning, this, this minister, particular minister, and he just had this, these words stirring up in his, in his heart, and he knew it was the Lord, and he just said, I'm just looking for someone to believe me. And when I heard those words, I wanted to just, I just, on the inside, just stood up and said, Lord, I believe you. And I, I, he loves to be trusted. There's nothing more pleasing to God. You know, it says faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. I want, I want him to see me, and when he sees me, he sees someone who completely trusts him. God loves to be trusted. And so when Jesus says, have faith in God, he's saying, trust in the character and the nature of God. Because again, our faith rests in knowing who our God is. It's so important that we get that. Because again, you know, a verse we touched last week, Psalm 103, verse 7, it says that Moses knew the ways of God. 
the children of Israel saw his acts. Now what's the difference in that is that Moses knew why God did what he did. The children of Israel just simply saw the 10 plagues and were like, wow, that's amazing. Look what God can do. And yes, it's powerful. It's amazing. But Moses saw it and he heard it from a different perspective. While, you know, the Israelites may have looked at it and go, yeah, get those Egyptians. Those guys have been hurting us and beating us. God looked at it and saw it from a different, or Moses saw it from a different perspective and said, man, God is passionate about his covenant people. So just a different perspective that they view from, but God revealed his ways to Moses and his acts, the children of Israel. I want to be an individual. This church is here so that we know the ways of God and we can work with him in this season and in this time that we're living in, in this day. That's the, that's the biggest driving force in my life right now. God, I don't want to just see what you can do. I want to know why you do what you want to do. I want to be actively involved in, uh, in what you're doing in this earth. And the way I do that is by getting to know you. You know, Daniel 11, verse 32, it says that the people that know their God, they shall be strong and they'll do great exploits for him. What's the result of strength and doing great exploits? It's knowing him. And so last week, I'm not going to get into that part, but if you want to hear some of those, uh, that message, we talked a lot about, you know, the emphasis that the Apostle Paul had in regards to knowing him. No matter what trial came his way, no matter how many problems, you know, he, he saw a lot of issues, a lot of problems in prison numerous times. He had a lot of things going on in his life. And what sustained him, what kept him on track, what kept him going forward in life? It was, I know the one in whom I believe. Those are words from the Apostle Paul, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, that he knew the one in whom he believed. And that's what I want to be saying of myself, is the one that I believe in, the one that I trust with everything in my, my life, I, my eternity I entrusted to him, I want to know him. I don't want to just know what he did, and I'm thankful I, I know what he did, but I want to know the intimates, the intimacies behind it. And so this is what we're going to just take a little bit of time on again. And I want you to go in your Bible one more time to 1 John chapter 5. And I want you just to see it again uh, in verse 1. You know, the more and more that I read this verse, just things keep coming up. Uh, and I, I just I get so excited about it because the Word of God will speak to you and I. The Word of God, it's designed. That's, that's what it is. It's to speak to us. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God is speaking through His Word today. You know, the word of God that we have, the Bible, isn't just something what God said, you know, thousands of years ago. It's something that he's continually speaking forth to you and I today. The word is alive. And if you just take the time to embrace it, open up your heart and say, Father, show me from your word. Show me who you are. He'll speak to you from it. He will. And in 1 John chapter 5, that's my prayer this morning for you and I, that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart be illuminated, that we would see him for who he really is. And again, let's look at verse 1. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. Now, first, I want to just reemphasize this. But everyone that believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child. So how do you get into God's family? You believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's how you become a born-again believer. That's how you become a Christian, is by believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the one sent from God who died for our sin, paid the price of the cross, and rose again for us. That's how you be part of God's family. Now, I love the way that the Passion Bible brings it out. He says that you're, part of, you're God's spiritual child, and just the sentence right here is, you have been fathered by God himself. 
Can you say that with me this morning? I've been fathered by God himself. Come on, say that with me. Shout it out. I've been fathered by God himself. I've been fathered by God himself. This is how he sees me. He is my father. He is my dad. Is God almighty, the one who hung the stars, the one who actually, the Isaiah talks about that God, when he created the oceans, that he held them just in the cup of his hands. The one who measures the universe between his thumb and his pinky. That's what he does, and that's the measure from it. It's, It's how amazing that he is. And yet, this amazing God, who created everything that we can see, everything that we can't see, he calls me his child. And I want to just remind you this morning that you are his child. You're a child in the eyes of God. And let's look at this. John chapter 1 verse 12. It says, those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority or, you know, just in other ways of saying that the privilege or the right to become children of God. Those who embraced him. Have you embraced Jesus? Have you embraced his lordship? Have you embraced what he did? Well, then what, what happens? You, were, you, uh, you took hold of his name. You were given the privilege. You were given the right to become children of God. This is the title that you have. Before I'm a pastor, before I'm a husband, before I'm a father, before I'm a friend, before I'm a worker, whatever it is, before I'm a guy who enjoys sports, all those things, my first call is child of God. That's who I am. I am a child of God and I've been fathered by God himself. You know, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, again in the Passion Bible, it says it like this. It says, look with wonder at the depth of the father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. Now, I love the way he says it. Look with wonder So what we're going to do a little bit this morning is we're going to just take some time and look with wonder at the marvelous or at the depth of God's, of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. I want you to hear some of these verbs, these words that you're hearing, lavished on us. That means poured out on us and continues to pour out on us. And notice what the first thing that he says here. He has called us. He's called you. He has called you. He has called me. And he has made us. Not only did he call us, then he made us his very own beloved children. That's who we are. And he says, the reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him. But I want you to see this again. How does God see you? He sees you as his child. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God views you as his beloved child. He made you this way. And that's who you are. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to position you just to remember your place, who you are. You're an overcomer. Why? Because I'm a child of God. That's who I am. That's the title that I bear. Now look here, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17 in the Passion Bible. Listen, we could go on and on just talking about childhood, but it's important that we understand that that's who we are in God's eyes. We're children. And it's so important that we get this, especially when we're going to live by faith. Jesus even talked about childlike faith. It's very, very important that whatever our father says, we are quick to believe him. You know, that's what I love about I have I have four young kids, seven, five, three, and um, the last one coming up on one year. And what I love about them, their childlike trust or their faith, whatever I say, they absolutely believe. 
And so that's, I'm so grateful. We went over this a little bit last week that God cannot lie. And so that's why you can have just childlike faith towards the father that whatever he says, you can be quick to believe it. Why? Because God doesn't know how to lie. Everything he speaks is absolute truth. And that's a good place. We can go, I believe that God says this. Well, I believe that too. I don't have to, I don't have to know all the reasons or how it works or how do I get there? All I have to know is, Lord, you said it. I believe it. That's, that's all I need to say. It's all I need to do because I trust him. Now, in Romans chapter 8, 14 through 17, it goes like this. It says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And I know down the line, we want to get touch, touching into this because this is important. He talks about mature sons, mature children of God, right? And when you hear sons, that doesn't just mean male. It also means female sons. The mature sons of God, they are moved not by their own impulses, not moved by opportunity, not moved by a better, you know, higher paying job over here, not moved by their emotion, not moved by what political realms are speaking. They are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection beloved father no other translations I believe they also say the word Abba Abba and that word Abba you may have heard that but I want to just again bring it to your remembrance this morning but Abba is a word used for devotion a term for endearment Abba is so intimate that it could be actually translated daddy or papa. It is so hard to imagine a closer relationship to have with God than to call him Abba, our beloved father. So the spirit within us, I like that last part of it. He says that you'll never feel orphaned. As he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Verse 16, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. Can I just read that to you again one more time? For the Holy Spirit, the one who lives on the inside of you, to be the helper, the revealer, he's there, he's living on the inside of us. He has been sent and he makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. That's what he's whispering. That's what he's saying. That's what he's giving you the witness on the inside. Who am I? I don't have the spirit from the world of not being enough or not being good enough. No, I have the, the voice on the inside of me. And what does the Holy Spirit reveal to us? He joins in making this witness that you are God's beloved child. Now look at verse 17. And since we are his true children, we qualify. Say, I qualify. No, come on, say it. I qualify. I qualify to share all his treasures. Come on, that's what the Bible says. I'm not making this stuff up right here. Because you, since you are his true child, he qualified you. What did he qualify you for? To share all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. What did you just inherit? All that he is and all that he has. Why? 
because I'm a child of God. Remember what 1 John 3 told us. He says, let's see or look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love. For he calls us children. Because he calls us children, what does he do? He made me his heir. Then he made me joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And he gave me all that he is and all that he has. Why? Because I'm his child. You're his child. You aren't lacking anything. There's nothing about this Christian life that we lack God provided everything for you and I. And you have it. You got it. Well, I don't see it. It's, that's, what we're to, that's what we're talking about faith. Just because you are called an overcomer, how come I'm not overcoming? we got to learn the tools of how overcomers think, how overcomers talk, how overcomers live. They live by faith. And this is why we're taking this time to really reiterate and go over some of these verses that you've heard many times probably before. But we've got to understand and learn how to live this way because you're a child of God and you've inherited all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has. What does he got? He's got it all. What do you need? He, he's got it. Now, I know, get a little excited and I can't move outside this box. I'm kind of stuck in this little gap. But if I was in your home, I'd, I'd be coming at you. And I, uh, it's amazing what God has done for you and I. So you can get off your couch and you can shout a little bit if you want, but I'm, I'm here I am. Now, I want to reiterate again, what does this relationship look like? If I've been fathered by God and he's called me and made me his child, he's called me and made me his heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and I got all that he is, I got all that he has, if I got all these things, now it's important, I want to just look at this relationship here again, but I want us to don't forget the roles of our relationship. God is the parent. He's the parent. God is the source. He's the rock. He's the foundation. Okay, that's who God is. My part of this relationship now is, is that I'm God's beloved child. I'm not the parent. I'm not the one calling all the shots. I'm the child. He's the parent. Right? No matter how old you are, no matter how old you think you are, right? Or how young you are. <laughs> Doesn't mean that if you're 110 years old, in God's eyes, you're still a child. Right? <clears throat> I'm the beloved child. I'm the recipient. I'm the beneficiary. I am the one that's dependent. He's the source and the foundation. I'm the one that's the dependent. So I want to just take a couple more minutes here and just go over and reiterate a few things about what this relationship looks like. Because again, we're talking about faith. We're going to be launching off into some things about how faith comes, how faith works, all wonderful, powerful stuff. But we cannot forget and understand our roles, our place within this relationship. He's the father. He's the source. I'm not. I'm the child. I'm the recipient. I'm the one that's dependent upon the source. I don't instigate anything. I simply respond to what he says. Right? We've got to understand that. That's how this thing works. Right? The kids don't call the shots. The dad does. The, pa the papa does. Our father does. Right? In this case. Now, as we go into seeing who God is, I want us to remember, God isn't what we think he is. God is who he says he is. So a lot of times people have these religious ideas of what they, they heard about God or maybe sometime they had an experience and it didn't quite pan out the way that maybe they wanted to or saw from the word that it should be. That doesn't change who God is. My experience never should change who God is. So when we approach the word of God, when we come to God, we have to approach him with this mindset. God isn't who I think he is. God isn't who what people say about him. God is who he says he is. Right? That's what we have to come to, and this is how we're going to approach this. So we're going to look at this relationship here a little bit. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. 
And I want to just stir us up and get us a little excited this morning. Genesis 17, verse 1. This is now when Abram was 99 years old. He had already promised him, you know, 25 years prior to this, that Abram, you're gonna, you are the father of many nations. That's what I've called you. But anyways, let's just kind of fast forward a few years now. And Abram uh, was now 99 years old, verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him and said, now remember, this is God speaking about himself. So we got to see what God says about himself. He says this, the New Living Bible, or yeah, the New Living Translation says it like this. I am El Shaddai. Say it with me, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, God Almighty, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Now, who did God say that he is? He is El Shaddai. He is my El Shaddai. What does the word El Shaddai mean? What is that? It's, it's the Hebrew. And El simply means it points to the power of God himself. Shaddai now actually brings out this, this reality that God, and, and if you kind of do a little bit of in-depth study on some of the Hebrew wording on this, um, Shaddai comes from another word, I believe, the Shaddas, and that word means to be the breasted one. And if you put those kind of words together, it means he is actually, he is the breasted one. Now God, by saying these words, God describes himself to be the strong nourisher, the strength giver, the ultimate satisfier, the all bountiful one, and the supplier of the needs of his people. He approached Abram like this and he said, Abram, I am the big breasted one, the many breasted one. That's who I am, right? This is who he's saying he is. And by saying that, Abram heard these words like what we just read off, the ultimate satisfier, the strength giver, the strong nourisher, the old bountiful one, the supplier of all of my needs. That's what he heard. This is who our God is. This is what he does. And a prime example that you see of that actually really is, I want to just kind of brag on my wife here a little bit. We've, we have four wonderful, amazing children. And that first year, roughly year of, of that child's life, a little bit after probably too, but uh, my wife, she breastfed all of our kids. And I just kind of got thinking about this a little bit. But as my wife, Jamie, she, she fed all of our children. Those children were completely dependent upon her for life, for survival, for nourishment, for strength, for comfort. That entire year, and you know, listen, I mean, this is my, my fourth rodeo now, kind of seeing it. But the ways that these babies grow from the day they're born all the way even just looking at that first year of life so much change takes place in them uh, in their emotions in their you know their neurological side of things in their physical beings from all of a sudden being so dependent and having to be held everywhere you go to now crawling I might my 10 month old now is standing at chairs and he's standing on the couch and he's moving around and walking around crawling underneath these impossible places that it's hard to get him out of this is what they do. All these changes come. But where do they come from? They came from spending so much time with Jamie just being kind of nuzzled in there and getting fed that breast milk. And I, I, I'm not knowledgeable about all those things, but I've, I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> but it just in time of this, it just, it was amazing just to kind of stop and think about this a little bit. 
that this is who God described himself to be. He is the breasted one, meaning he wants to bring you and I in and so that we can receive everything that we'll need, all the nourishment that we'll need, all the strength that we need, all the encouragement we need, everything that we need in this life, it comes from him. He's the source of life. When God created Adam and Eve, it was the same way. God was the source for everything that they could ever need. That's how this God, so God designed this planet. You and I were never created to be our own source. We're not, we're not a source being. We're dependent upon the source. So if we don't understand even this relationship side, faith begins to be very difficult because I'll start even trying to stir up faith and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try launch out into this. Whoa, well, wait a minute. Did the source tell you to go there? Well, no, I just think it's the right thing to do. Well, we got to wait a minute. You can't do anything without the source revealing something to you. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit into the coming weeks, but we cannot just jump out there because you and I, we're not the source. We aren't the all-sufficient one where we're going to be able to look after ourselves and make sure that everything's going to pan out the way that we want it to pan out. No, no, no. That's not who we are. We are the ones that are dependent upon the source. And God, the way that I love the way he introduced himself to Abram, he says this, that I am El Shaddai. I am the breasted one. I am everything that you'll ever need in this life. I'm it. Here I am. And so I just I want to just, uh, as a mother breastfeeds her babies, the babies receive complete nourishment. They receive strength for their being. They are completely satisfied. And then they rest in the arms of the supplier of life. I just when I when I've seen Jamie just breastfeed our kids, what happens is that they are completely safe there. That's that's a that's a comfortable spot to be in. It's a great spot to be in. Why? Because all that all, when all of our four kids, that's where they grew. That's where they developed. So for you and I, just to encouragement, like you can't breastfeed from 10, 15 feet away, mother. Here, that would just be really awkward. And I'm sorry I painted that picture for you. It just would be very awkward. Well, the same way with our relationship with God, if I'm wanting to receive all the nourishment that I can from him, I can't do it at a distance. If I want to hear what God's got to say and he wants to reveal plans about my future, he wants to reveal things to me. I can't keep being at a distance from him. I got to be intimate. I got to be close. And that's why you cannot grow and advance your faith beyond your relationship with him. It is crucial that you and I in these days, we stay close. John chapter 15, this was the message that Jesus gave before he went to the cross. He said, y'all, stay close, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Let my words stay in you. Let them get on the inside of you. And when your word, my word, your word, sorry, my word is in you, then you will remain in me. And then you can ask what you will, and it shall be done to you by my Father, which is in heaven. Right? All of these things, but it's all about closeness. And this is what God's desire has always been for a family to be close. Now, what the enemy has done at the same time is for a lack of a better term or way of describing it, but the enemy has created artificial breasts, artificial things out there trying to supplement for nourishment, try to supplement for our well-being, try to supplement for us to, you know, be looked after, be sufficient. When all leads to death, it leads to loss, it leads to heartache, it leads to lack in your my life. So that's just a warning that, you know, God is the all-sufficient one. But here the enemy comes, of course, too. What does he try to do? He tries to give you something else. And, oh, you don't need that. Why don't you go try a little bit of this? And, oh, why don't you give that stuff a little bit of try over there? Why don't you sniff this, snort that, smoke this, drink that, take this pill? All of these things. Or why don't you buy that car? Get a shopping spree. You need more, 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 more. All of these things, they do fill you to a certain degree. But at the end, they lead you lacking and wanting more. So what our father is, says, like, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. But that's not where I get my supply. 
That's not where I go for my comfort. That's not where I go for nourishment. That's not where I go for my strength. This is who God says that he would to be. And he is the one who would take care of all my needs. That's what he said. Now, one other thought too, just kind of wrapping this part up here. Genesis 15, 1 now, if you kind of go back a couple of books, uh, sorry, chapters there. Uh, he said that he is now my shield. And part of this too is by, by my staying close. I just want to show you what our father is to us in this day and this age that we're living in. Genesis 15, 1 It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. I want you to hear this child of God. Ones that are listening right now, do not be afraid. God is your shield, your exceeding great reward. Now, when I'm talking about, first of all, God being El Shaddai, the, the, the breasted one, the big breasted one, he's got all of this here. What is he saying? One of the things that he says about himself is, I'm your shield. I am your shield and your great reward. I am your shield. Can you say that with me? I am your shield. This is who our father is to us. He is our protector. And I want to just give you two verses and then we'll be done this morning. But in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11, again from the Passion Bible, it says, For the Lord God is brighter than the brilliance of a sunrise, wrapping himself around me like a shield. What is God doing right now? He's wrapping himself around me like a shield. He is so generous with his gifts of grace and glory. Those who walk along his paths with integrity will never lack one thing they need for he provides it all. I want you just to see this this morning. God's massive arms, God's massive, just himself, coming around you and I to guard and to protect. Listen, there is so much evil that's out there. There is so much trash out there. There, Listen, the devil's on a full-time job to still kill and to destroy. But God came to give us life. And not only that too, but he also talks himself about not only being El Shaddai, but part of being El Shaddai means he wants to be my shield. Let me give you one more verse. Psalm 91 verse 4, it says, His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. Oh man, do you get the picture? I love the words that the Passion Bible just brings out in these. It helps create a picture for you and I. His massive arms What are they doing right now? Come on, give yourself a flex and boom. God's massive arms. What are they doing right now? They are wrapped around you and I, protecting us wherever we may go. So what do we got to do? Stay close. Stay close, stay close, stay close. In this season, in this time, walking by faith, living by faith, it requires you and I staying close to the heart of God. And that's how we can ensure the victory that Jesus came to provide for you and I. So this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love you. We're praying for you. Again, if you've got things, if you've got questions, if you want us to pray with you, if you're interested, if you want Jesus to become the Lord and Savior of your life, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Come, let us know. We are here for you. Our goal here is just to magnify this amazing Jesus that we have. We love you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will hope to see you soon. Have a great rest of your day.